It's a bitch hunt. 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 in the middle of a roundabout luke <laughs> pretty much he's one of those guys when that uh had a house that was like in the intended path for a freeway <laughs> and he refused to uh give up the land deed to the construction company so he just lives with the freeway running over and around him you're just built into the into the side of an underpass basically yeah it's basically yeah. a concrete bunker I'm probably not going to edit this one out. I I I I think it's important that our audience know that I go through great pains to edit out all the traffic sounds from Luke's recording. I mean, you do you have all the power here, Will. Like you could choose and I think we've talked about this before. You could choose to make yourself sound way wittier than the the both of us if you really wanted to. But for some reason <laughs> you just haven't so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also, sound like a real drip. <laughs> I also could edit in a bunch of farts, but like tag them with these are Jacob farts every time. <laughs> yeah, that's messed up, man. Edit in both of us saying, "Oh, Jacob." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you can do that from now on if you want to. Have you guys seen any good popular media recently that we might riff on? Good segue, Will. Uh, well, you know I what I you haven't this. seen ever. Go ahead. What yes. haven't you ever seen? Twilight. You've never seen Twilight. I've never seen Twilight either. I have seen Twilight. Uh, although I don't know if I was paying very much attention while I was seeing Twilight. You know, it's what one do you of mean those. You don't know. It's one of those where you might you might have something else going on in your mind while you're watching you might it. Have you know, extracurricular activities. It's one of those not be able to pass a hand check if yeah. requested. It's one of those that you have on in the background while you're, you know, getting down to business. I, I'm not following this at all. No, I have no experience with anything When I was like in that. college, but I they... would do my homework while Twilight was playing. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Cool, 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 cool. I, I would listen to uh, Fastballs out of my head on repeat and The Blood of Cuchu Lane from the Boondock Saints also on repeat. Oh, wow. I'm doing that right now. Really? That's I have a two-song playlist and it's on repeat. I can awesome. barely hear Will, you guys. Can, can you fade that in lightly into the background for a good part of this episode? Yeah. I, so that. It's important that we get some noise from Luke's recording. So maybe if you just like lean your earbuds close to the mic, we can we can get that in there. <laughs> It's actually kind of amazing. They have only two really catchy songs, but they're like two of the most catchy songs that I've ever heard in my life. I, I think I would go as far as saying that they are the two catchiest songs I've ever heard in my life. They're really catchy. Uh, truly. Oh, also, I wanted to say at some point, uh, I want to apologize for the last episode. Uh, I, in that episode made the claim that uh, the character of Bubbles on Trailer Park Boys was played by Pat Roach. Um, <laughs> and that, that just sat with me wrong after the episode, so I went to look it up. <clears throat> and it turns out that Pat Roach plays Randy. 
uh, the shirtless, beer-bellied assistant trailer park supervisor and on-and-off lover to Randy Leahy. Uh, and Bubbles is actually played by uh, Mike Smith. So I just, you know, call this corrections, corrections central if you want to, but it's yeah. been on my mind. I don't think you've fully made it right, though, Jacob. Okay. The only way you can do that is to cast Mike Smith in a love triangle film to rival Twilight. <laughs> All right. Is, That's our theme that today. A, is that a segue into, into my pitch? Was yeah. that your whole pitch? Yeah, well, it can be now. It just, it'll take uh, just minor, minor changes. But I'm ready to go if you guys are ready to, to hear it. Yeah, let's strap yeah. on in. I want this to be titillating AF. Uh, I promise that it will be uh, at least titillating AF. H. All right. All right. So, uh, my love triangle movie. And yeah, again, this is, this is the theme of the week. Uh, Valentine's day is around the corner or depending on when we, uh, release this may have just happened or may have happened a while ago. It's really hard to say. (laughs) Procrastinators out there who still need to do their Valentine's day, your significant others getting kind of mad at you. Just play them this episode, and they'll they'll stop. Play being them, mad. play them this episode, and buy some uh, pitch hunt merch, which is which we not definitely yet for definitely sale. have. <laughs> you should probably get on that. Go to your uh, local hardware store, buy a pitchfork. There you go. Go to your uh, local uh, like film resale place, and uh, go ahead and buy a, an old film reel. Yeah. Recreate the logo. And then just carry that around with you at all times and in all places, regardless of security level. And people will know that you love our podcast. And also, more to the point, present it to your Valentine as if it was a bouquet of roses. Just just, just fork it right into the bed and put, put some <laughs> rose petals around it. Definitely do that. Um, definitely do that. But... All right, so before you jump in, Jacob, I want to take a second to just discuss the various types of love triangles that could exist, because it gets a little bit confusing. There's sort of the traditional one girl in love with two guys, or Or one guy. You know, the the gender dynamic could be anything, but that's usually what it is. And we we got the good guy and the bad guy, typically, you know, the bad boy and the... And the and the, the the boy with the heart of gold, you know. Uh, I think yeah. that would be another subcategory of them. But then we have person A, who is in love with person B, who's in love with person C, who's in love with person A. Which is oh. more of a love circle, really. A love like roundabout. A, yeah, uh, a love cul-de-sac. Yeah. There's. Person A who's interested in persons B and C, but B and C are close friends, so it's weird. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. yes. Wait, the th- wait. They're they're interested in both B and C. Yeah, but but they but B and C don't want to actually reciprocate. But they're good friends. So say will that <laughs> there's you a stalker that love, wants to get with two people. <laughs> say will that you were in love with both Luke and with me. But it was awkward because Luke and I are good friends. And so it would be very strange for you to compete for the affections of both of us at the same time because it would mess with the dynamic that we have. All right. Going. That makes that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And then the final one is just a slight variation of that, which is everyone is in love with everyone else. I don't which see is, the tension there. I mean, just, 
you know, just get down to it at that point. If you're going by the kind of traditional roles of, you know, one partner and another partner, that might be a little bit off. Uh, if you're going for the whole communal living thing or the communal love thing, I think that that could work out very yeah. nicely. I think well, for this that is, one, this is assuming too, that all of the love is romantic love. Ooh. So there could be two in that triangle where it's just platonic love of some kind. For instance, yeah. so it's like, it's like a you woman, have, you have two people who were best buds, love each other to death. One of them is married to someone who he loves to death. Then one of them is presumed dead. And uh, then wait. while that one is presumed dead, the, the best buddy remarries his wife, but then they find <laughs> out the other guy's not dead. And then oh, what? classic, <laughs> this is exactly the plot of this Australian TV show on Netflix that I watched the first season of and have not been able to find again. <laughs> Uh, if anybody knows what that show is called, please tell me because I want to see the second season, but I can't for the life of me remember what it is. It's a Jacob with a K at pitchhunt.org. At pitchhunt.org. Shoot him an email. Please and thank you. Shoot me an email or come find me. I'm not going to tell you where I live. Well, if I haven't already uh, thought very, very long and hard about what my pitch is going to be, this this kind of summary of the different <laughs> genres, subgenres, would have really helped me. Would have and nice would have given me a lot cheap. of actual ideas for what I'm going to pitch, but unfortunately, I, or fortunately rather, I've I've already thought of my pitch. So, but Jacob's going first. So, <laughs> thank God for that. Well, neither here nor there. <laughs> We're always so grateful for all the preparatory work that you do for every episode. Uh, you got it. I am ready to go. If you guys again are ready to receive, yeah. Yes, we would gladly receive. Uh, well, please just slide in your. Big, I'm, delicious I'm gonna stop, love I'm gonna stop you idea. right there. I'm going to stop you right there. My love triangle is set and centered around uh, the world of competitive ballroom dancing. Mm. Yes. That's a cutthroat world. I, 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 I know it myself. I know we all have a lot of experience with that, uh, which is why I thought it would be appropriate. Uh, we have all had our fair share of heartbreak related to ballroom dancing. Uh, You're saying so, ballroom, B-A-L-L, correct? Not bar room, like on top of a bar, <laughs> coyote ugly uh, style. It, feel free to take that idea if you want to. Uh, I'm going with ball. Everybody room. clear the bar. We got to get some <laughs> dancing on. Let me make it very clear. Ballroom, B-A-L-L-R-O-O-M, ballroom. We're talking classy dancing. All right? All right. So our main couple that we're following is a high-powered duo. Uh, We have Matilda, who is open for casting, uh, if you guys have any suggestions. How about Uh, the girl who played Matilda? Yeah. What's what's she doing these days? Probably not acting. I don't feel like I've seen her in anything recently. How about about Matilda Swinton? (laughs) That's her full uh, name. That would be really nice. Uh, I think that she'd be maybe a tiny bit old for this. Uh, But she could pull off anything. She's an incredible actress. She's got Uh, the best cheekbones I've ever seen in my life. Truly. Which is good for dancing. It's good. It it allows a good twirl. Allows both a good twirl and for some really severe facial expressions, which is very important in ballroom dancing. 
Uh, that's not really that important, though. What is important is that she has had a long time dancing partner who's played by Mike Smith. Uh, yes. Of Trailer Park Boys fame. Oh, nice. Now, Mike Smith's character in this film uh, has a lot of issues, uh, mental issues, physical issues, uh, and the likes. He has extreme agoraphobia um, and alopecia among them. So uh, he Can you just clarify to our audience what, what both of those mean? Sure. Agoraphobia is basically a fear of the outdoors. So people with agoraphobia generally have a really hard time leaving their houses. Uh, it's a, a condition that affects a lot of people and can be a real, real bummer for those people because, you know, for, for many reasons, it's often nice to go outside your home every once in a while. Uh, but Mike Smith's character knows very little about that. Oh yeah. And alopecia being, uh, the inability to grow any body hair. Uh, so think the character of Stan Sitwell from Arrested Development uh, as one example of that. Basically, you know, it's it's not a, a condition that affects your life in a huge way other than the fact that you can't grow any hair on your body or head. Okay. So this is, this is Mike Smith's character. Uh, his name is uh, uh, Charlie Brown. <laughs> Good grief. So does he look like charlie brown just growing uh, he up. looks a, a lot like charlie brown but he doesn't have that one curly hair on the front of his head uh because of course he has alopecia uh but his his ballroom dancing costume is a yellow shirt with a one black squiggly line across it i love that <laughs> okay uh so Charlie Brown got into the world of competitive ballroom dancing because he had always been a love or a lover of dance for his entire life. Um, for the longest time, he wasn't able to share that love with anyone because of his agoraphobia and he, he rarely left his home. Um, yeah, sure. But when he was we've a child, all been there. we've, we've all been there dancing alone in the room in the dark. Um, but when he was young, his Robin parents, certainly has. Robins. Okay. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when he was, when Charlie Brown was a young man, uh, his parents, he still lived with his parents and they, they encouraged him to take his dancing outside of the home as a way of kind of opening up to the world, getting out of his shell and maybe trying to, you know, work on that whole agoraphobia thing and see a little bit more of the world. Uh, and he found that because of how, uh, he was able to kind of transport himself into a, a different world and a different personality when he danced, he could get away with, uh, the crippling anxiety that usually comes with leaving a home when you have agoraphobia. So he was able to use this ballroom dancing as a kind of, uh, a kind of therapy, uh, if you will. And he was so good at it that he became a professional. And somewhere along the way, at a dancing competition, he found Matilda, and they had an instant connection across the dance floor while they were doing their their singles ballroom dancing, uh, you know, performances, uh, and decided to work together as a partnership. That's beautiful. Um, and is that the end of your movie? 
That's the end of the movie. The Seems end. like a bit of a, a, a love line, if you ask no, me. It's a triangle between Matilda, Charlie Brown, and ballroom dancing. Uh, but it all works <laughs> out. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rare love triangle where everybody's happy. Ballroom dancing is better because of having both of them in it. Uh, and their lives are better by having each other and ballroom dancing in it. All right, I and ship it. Let's let's go on to Luke now. That's the end. Uh, well, I, I guess I, I should probably make it a little longer. Uh, <laughs> so, so we have this high-powered uh, ballroom dancing couple. Uh, they are partners in ballroom dancing, but at the point that the movie starts, they really aren't anything more. Um, in part because Charlie Brown, uh, you know, the, the ballroom dancing has gotten him out of his shell. But his agoraphobia is still so severe that always, right away when uh, they're done dancing, he takes off and goes back home. Um, and so is, is never really able to experience other things and isn't really able to uh, develop this relationship with Matilda outside of just their dancing. But his dancing is so beautiful and he's able to convey so much through his dance that Matilda falls for him anyway, of course. Yeah. So they're going along in their life, going from competition to competition, and uh, they're the best in the country until a new couple comes onto the scene. Um, uh oh. There's this, this new couple. They are uh, spicy Latino slash Latinas. Uh, you have a, a beautiful woman whose name is. Uh, whose name is Wilhelmina Gomez. Oh, nice. Um, who is uh, <laughs> simply just a, just a wonderful dancer. Uh, she brings a lot of flair to the, the ballroom dance community, which is kind of old-fashioned. Um, and then there is her, her dancing partner, uh, Fabio Dominguez, mm. who oh, is a beautiful Latino man. Yes. He has a, a beautiful head of, of dark, thick. I have a feeling this is going to be significant. (laughs) He he always wears low cut shirts that show off his robust chest hair. Um, and these two come onto the scene and they start winning some of these competitions that Matilda and, uh, Charlie Brown are used to winning. Um, and over these over the the weeks and months that follow these these competitions uh Matilda starts feeling these strange feelings for Fabio Dominguez um oh, even no. though she still she still does feel for Charlie Brown because he has such a beautiful soul she just really she can't get to know him that well because he always leaves right after they have uh their dances yeah and so She's and also isn't able to to share the experience of watching this new couple dance with him uh, because he's never there to see them. And so how and is he doesn't Tilda have mesmerizing Fabio. chest hair? <laughs> right, <at> no, <laughs> exactly. So, how but, how are Tilda and Fabio uh, interacting at this point? Are they just basically doing sort of star-crossed sort of looks across the ballroom floor, or are they actually interacting? There are a lot of sultry looks. Um, Fabio is, he has a very raw sexuality around him and is just a very sensual person in general and also has this big personality. 
Um, so it doesn't take much actual interaction for them to start forming this bond across the ballroom floor. So this keeps going. And eventually, actually, Matilda does uh, work up the courage to go and talk to, F- to Fabio after one of these performances. Um, and they immediately hit it off. Fabio is as charming as he is handsome. Um, and the two of them uh, just, they, they really connect. They have this, well, this chemistry. What's Wilhelmina's deal? Wilhelmina is married and happily married uh, to to another man. Not she's married yes, to the force. No, not not to Fabio. She she's yeah. She she's is also a cop. A cop. <laughs> she's a cop in her uh, no nonsense cop in her free time. And she's married <laughs> to the force, so she has no time for uh, the the hip movements of Fabio. He, she only does really, ballroom he, so that she can evade bullet fire more efficiently. That that's one reason, and another reason is that she's working undercover. Uh, there's a kind of an unrelated side story about the some CD barroom dancing scene. <laughs> yeah. So there can the be a whole bar. extended universe here, which there I like. could be, there could be, we, we don't need to get into that quite yet, but Wilhelmina has a very interesting story that, that really deserves to have more uh, airtime than, than the rest of this, because her life is arguably pretty inarguably, actually the most interesting out of all of them. So she's uh, working as an undercover <laughs> cop, uh, but she she has made it very clear to Fabio that she's not interested in him. They work very well as a dance team, but she just she has no time for him, which is part of the reason that Fabio is looking outside of their partnership sure. for uh, a romantic connection. Um, so uh, they start to get Fabio and Matilda start to get to know each other a little well, a little better uh, rather. Um, but meanwhile. Matilda can't, uh, she can't ignore the feelings that she's always had for Charlie Brown. Um, even though he's such a mysterious character and she sees so little of him, she can't help but, but feel that that connection, since it was a connection that she had before Fabio, is something that she kind of has to resolve before she decides to go all in on Fabio. Yeah. So, one day after their one of their performances, Matilda and and Charlie's performances, she decides that she is going to, she knows that she'll never get invited to Charlie Brown's house um, just because that's a private place for him and he doesn't want other people to be around when he's there. So she decides she's going to follow him back to his house. So they have their performance um, and have a, just a wonderful, wonderful dance. The connection between them is even stronger than usual during this dance. And there's this, this glimmer in Charlie Brown's eye that she can't ignore. Um, but as usual, right after the dance ends, uh, and while there's, they, there's always a, a little bit of a break between performers just so that everybody can kind of, you know, fan themselves off and make sure that they're not too hot and heavy before the next one starts. Um, so she decides she's gonna, she's gonna follow Charlie. And so he goes out to his car 
Matilda follows. She sneaks around. Has she learned how to track people from Wilhelmina? Like she 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 gets a little bit of enlists a little bit of help from that is a phenomenal idea. And she definitely does that because she wants to make sure that Charlie Brown doesn't know that he's being followed because it'll freak him out. And uh, then she'll never be able to truly see what, what he's like. So Wilhelmina uh, is more than happy to help out because she, for some reason is very, well, part of it is that Fabio, he's just so incorrigible that she wants to find a lover for him so that, uh, he can let off some of the the energy that he just has way too much of. So Wilhelmina and Matilda, by this point, have become great friends and are, uh, although rivals, still happy to teach each other a thing or two. Um, so yes, Matilda follows Charlie Brown out in a very covert way, sneaking and hiding behind uh, power lines and electrical boxes and other <laughs> other things, um, and. Doing some, like, tangos out of the way. Yeah, sashaying from one hiding spot to the next. Sort of fox-trotting behind an electrical box. (laughs) Fox-trotting behind an electrical box. (laughs) Doing the electric slide out from there uh, to to a dumpster. And then, you know, doing the Charlie Brown. Ooh, she probably should do the Charlie Brown at some point. (laughs) Uh, That's a good double entendre to be used sometime during this movie. (laughs) A very hot dance move on the the ballroom dancing. (laughs) Uh, anyway, uh, she follows him, sees him get in his car, uh, and she gets, she waits for him to pull out of the parking lot, uh, and gets into her car and starts following him and is expecting to, you know, trail him for a while until he gets to his house. Cause she doesn't really know where he lives because he's yeah. such a private person, but he soon stops just a few blocks away at a phone booth she's very confused um but she you know she keeps her distance and so she this takes place in the past when phone booths <laughs> existed <laughs> what are you talking about you mean that every street corner doesn't have a phone booth these days i feel like there's still the 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 phone booth booth trope is still alive in film even though nobody actually uses them anymore exactly Maybe it's set in London or something there's still uh there's still red boxes there right how's mike smith's English accent. Uh, has, has he got some real acting chops? I would assume so. I mean, you gotta I mean, have he some is chops a subject of the levels. Queen, so I, I assume that he. Yeah, that's true. A, that's true. They're they're not allowed to pass school without being able to speak the Queen's English. Without being able there. to pull off a passable British accent. But she'll she'll automatically assume that when when he goes into this phone booth the phone booth will like disappear and go back in space and time because that's how they work in England. Right. That is how brains work in England. There's an inexorable connection there, but lo and behold, that doesn't happen. So he's in this phone booth for a while and she starts wondering, you know, what's going on? What's happening in there? And then now hold on to your pants. Are your pants held on to? All right. Well, hold on. Wait a second. Okay. Got them now? They're, I've got, I've got okay, them Will, firmly around s- my loops right now. I can see that you're holding your pants. Luke, I can't see your hands or your waistline, so I, I don't know if you're doing it too. All right, I'm, I'm holding on. You're not? <laughs> wow, okay. Well, never mind then. He is sitting down, so the chair is holding onto his pants for him. Well, no, then I, the- I'm just skeptical that this twist could be that good, that it will blow my pants off. <laughs> but 
Please surprise me. <laughs> All right, I'm holding on. The door of uh, the phone booth opens, and out steps Fabio Dominguez. What? <laughs> I'm more confused. I mean, I felt a little yank. My it hurt my fingers a bit, but I don't know. My pants are still on. I'm 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 mainly just a little bit. What is going on? My, Will, my yeah, life what, is upside down. What is the down. point of this deception? Let me let me tell you what's going on. It turns out that all along, <laughs> Fabio Dominguez was just an alter ego of Charlie Brown's. What? Wait, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> so he just like taped some hair to his chest and. Luke, toupee technology and uh, body hair adhesive technology has gotten very good in this day and age. So it is completely plausible that he'd be able to pull this off. What? Wait, and they were never they were never seen in the same Canadian man dressed up as a (laughs) Latino man. I just said he was a spicy Latino man. There are lots of different there are lots of different types of Latino people. It's true. It could be a very uh, Canadian-looking one. It was really just a, a little clever bit of misdirection, and I'm, I'm playing on the fact that you guys have these these stereotypical views of what uh, Canadian and Latino people are supposed to look like. So yeah, yes, I know what Mike Smith out. looks like, and you described <laughs> Fabio as having lush dark hair. I was imagining Antonio Banderas, who well, does what not do look at all was, like Mike Smith. What do you yeah, think he, he was doing in that phone booth? He spent a long time in there. There's some pretty uh, pretty involved makeup work going on. Also, so this is going to be one of those phone booths that doesn't have, like, glass on all of the sides of it <laughs> so you can see into it. No, it does have glass on all the sides, but it's a particularly cold day in London, so the, oh, it's the windows are all foggy and frosted. So uh, she can't see what's going on until uh, he steps out. So it turns out that this had just been another piece of therapy uh, that it was a, a radical new therapy that his therapist had come up with, coming up with an alter ego to try to teach him to be uh, more willing and able to express himself. And Fabio Dominguez was really just a, a creation of his therapist and his uh, dance partner, Wilhelmina, who, as a police officer and an undercover agent, is also a master of disguise. So she helped him come up with this uh, this disguise. <laughs> so she's had. been in on it this whole time. Wil- Wilhelmina, <laughs> Wilhelmina is actually the main character in this franchise. Uh, as one of you predicted early on, she's really the she's the key behind all of this. She's actually also his therapist. So <laughs> Where does wears, she find the time? She wears many masks. She's oh, a true man. renaissance woman. Uh, well, I, I should have been holding on to my pants because they ricocheted around the room. <laughs> that was the twist of the century. I hope that won't show up in the recording. This is. I'm just telling you, this is a love triangle episode, not the M. Night Shyamalan episode. <laughs> That's every, every episode is the M. Night Shyamalan episode for me. If I should, my pitch doesn't have a twist in it, I've failed. You do have a lot of twists and turns in your pitches. And what can I this say? One, if I wasn't so, I mean, it was like it went past the sort of pants uh, blow off valley of the twist and into the like 
mountains of confusion. <laughs> like I, it was such a big twist that I like, maybe I did lose my pants, but they like ricocheted off the room so quickly that they just went back onto my body immediately. And I didn't even notice they'd been gone in the first place. I take place. that as a compliment. Just, uh, just like logistically, are you yeah. going to have a different actor playing Fabio? Yes, Fabio is going to be played by Pat Roach. <laughs> <laughs> Who is, I have wait, heard has lost Mike, about 100 pounds. Is Mike Smith the one that always has the, the glass in his hands? No. He has <laughs> the really thick glass. He's stuff. Bubbles. Oh, he's Bubbles. Yeah. Okay. Mike Smith is Bubbles. <laughs> I secretly didn't know who we were talking about. And so he will <laughs> he will be wearing those thick glasses as Charlie Brown. Uh because I think it would add to the look a lot. But yeah, well, does I mean, his voice change too? Does it go from like I'm Charlie Brown to being like I'm Hello. Fabio or, or whatever? I I soy can't. Fabio. Yes, but vice versa. Right. <laughs> Hola, soy Charlie Brown. He actually uses his act, his Mike Smith voice while he's playing the here suit fellow. Yes, yes, I think that probably goes with that saying. Well, That's so that the audience, or at least an informed audience, would know all along that the twist is coming. I'm actually surprised that neither one of you saw that coming. I guess I just I did so well at uh, at hiding. Well, it. we, we kind of thought it would be a love triangle. I just didn't want to believe that. Uh, <laughs> It's a kind of a love triangle. You would have a white guy dressing up in costume as a Latino. <laughs> Again, there are lots of different kinds of Canadians. Sure, and sure there are, but it would be very obvious if <laughs> they looked extremely similar. You know what, Luke? We're just going to have to agree to disagree. And they don't look similar. That's the whole point of Wilhelmina dressing him up and giving him makeup. All right, I don't want to argue with you. Instead, let's just ship it. It's a on. very, it's a very good idea, Jacob. <laughs> we really liked listening to it. Oh my god, yeah, it was, you guys it are the was worst. Fun. <laughs> all right, really it's creative. shipped. It's shipped. All right, <laughs> it's shipped. What do you have? What do you have that's better than that? What do we, uh, you jerks? I can go. I can tell you exactly what's better than yours. All right, all right. the gauntlet has been thrown. So picture this: we uh, have three. Superheroes. Uh, mm. uh, all right, Jacob, I'm sorry. It's already better than your idea. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> Go uh, My anger has subsided immediately. They all get a tip about some attack that's happening in their city. They show what's, up. What's the city? All three of them at the same time. Um, is, it a, is it perhaps our favorite bureau of New York City? Burrow, you mean? Yes. <laughs> but yes, it's Barkland. It's it's Barkland. It's Barkland, New York. And uh, City of Dogs. So they show up, right? So I, I hate to interrupt you again before your yes. pitch has even started, but I would like to know a little bit about these superheroes. Sure. You want to know what their powers are? Yeah. I'm assuming. If that's yeah, if that's not too much of a spoily. One is a man with super strength. Okay. A Mr. Incredible? Yeah. Yeah, sure. a Mr. Incredible type, except he's not married. Okay. Total bachelor. So n- not at all like Mr. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Another one is uh, super stretchy. So like Elastigirl? I see, I see where we're going here. <laughs> except 
Are you pitching The Incredibles three, Luke? Total, total bachelor. Let after me get, let get, me guess. After they the, get and the this is person, also a male. Let me guess. The oh, other okay. person's really fast. The other person is the only woman of the three. Okay. And her superpower is that her instincts are always correct. So she has spidey sense. Basically, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Except for some strange reason, she shows up here, knows something's wrong, but she can't act in time on those instincts. Mm. All three of them blow up. Just massive explosion. What? The end. Two months later, they all wake up in this specialized facility. Uh, they're, They're pretty battered. They're in hospital beds, but... It's a place specifically for superheroes to recover because Mm. um, there are just inherent risks to treating a superhero who's unconscious or in a coma. You know, if they wake up, they might be disoriented. They have these powers. They could hurt their doctors. So now the three of them are just isolated. Wait, so this is basically my pitch from Happy Madison, except substitute dogs for superheroes. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it takes place in Parkland. <laughs> Except it's called, uh, like, Superhero Brooklyn <laughs> instead. I thought and we established that it was in Parkland. All of the superheroes are dogs, too. <laughs> oh, I forgot to ask that very important question. And then Adam Sandler is their nurse. <laughs> I feel like you're... You're getting very close to infringing on intellectual property rights here, Luke. No, I will so see. They, the superheroes are humans. Adam Sandler is not in the film. Is it in Barkland, though? No, it takes place in Philly. Oh. Well, Philly to start. the The place where they wake up is undisclosed. I see. Some secret superhero hospital. Is it in an expanding desert anomaly? <laughs> All right, Maybe. I think we have, Maybe. we have enough throwbacks for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, But if you could help me cast these three, that would be great. Okay. Uh, one of them, uh, I, w- I would say, hold on. So we got Stretch. Stretch guy should be uh, Will Arnett. Okay. I was thinking sure. maybe somebody a little lankier, uh, just because that visually conveys the idea of stretchiness. Ansel Elgert. Ansel Elgert would be great. Uh, whoever the kid was who played Merlin in The Kid Who Would Be King would be fantastic because he was unbelievably gangly. Um, I'm not sure who that kid is. Yeah, I know sure. neither of you have seen that movie. So, Well, I want them to be, be lost ad- adults, I think. Okay. So that uh, it's not just puppy love in this triangle. Hashtag it's Barkland. Grown. It's full grown. <laughs> We're talking about full grown adult love. Full grown adult okay, love. how about strong guy then is Will Arnett? I just want Will Arnett to be in this movie. No, they need to be around the same age. So we're going Ansel Elgert, someone else in that general age vicinity. Taron Egerton. Taron Egerton, he can be strong. Uh-huh. Sure. He's a beefy lad. And then our main actress. Uh, I just have Felicity Jones on the mind. How about Rihanna? You know, I just saw the new Oceans movie, and I don't think she's a great actor. You don't? Uh, I don't think that she was ever really considered to be a great actor, but that I know, might but mean I don't want to make her. 
that's, an that's actress who has fair. to portray someone who's very in touch with her senses and feelings. It seems like a tough role. I agree, Will. Your idea was terrible. All right. That's yeah, why well, I suggested Felicity Jones, because she is a phenomenal actress. Yeah, let's go with Felicity Jones or Alicia Vikander. Ooh, yes. Let's go with her instead. Let's go with her. Yeah. All right. So they wake up and they only have one doctor, which is kind of weird, but he's clearly very dedicated to helping them get back on their feet. So all of their um, their powers are a little bit discombobulated. They're they're kind of trying to retrain, and because they're very uh, young and attractive people, also they're uh, also lusting a little bit, you know. Mm. And their doctor mm. is like a eighty five year old. Played by Will Old Arnett. man. He's, he isn't attracting anyone. So the problem here is that both of these men are attracted to Elisa Vikander. And her character is attracted to both the guys. But because right. her instincts are a little bit askew, she, she can't say for certain which one she really uh, wants to be with. Oh, so that's the... Like, that's something that she would normally be able to tell. It is, yeah. So her instincts are, like, that's a, a very all-encompassing idea. Yeah. Like, instincts, uh, it's not just, like, when a crime is about to happen. It's things as mundane as, or things as, I mean, not even mundane, but, like, she can tell what the right decision is in any circumstance. She can. That's I, so I feel like in that, in that case, the question might also not just be which man to choose, but whether she should even be with any of them in the first place, because she's, she's her instincts have told her to be single this up until now, you know, or is, is her, is her lusting a separate thing from her instincts? Like, or was there I mean, a different kind of relationship between the three of them before their accidents, but they all so, have amnesia. We don't know at this point. We don't know. Just but, like them. But uh, I mean, all of them want to have sex, Will. So that's well. What's part the of problem? It. Just not, get down to it. <laughs> it's not just romantic love, but they're all tactful people, and they're aware that the other people who they share these quarters with will have probably intense feelings that might be hurt if they go about it the wrong way. Also, is it, are they like super quarantined off? Like, would boning yes. happen in the same room as the as the third person? You know, they they all have their own rooms, but. They share walls, so... And they're paper they, thin. They'd know what's going on. They're in their paper thin, yeah. Can it just be, like, drapes? <laughs> like, <laughs> they're in the same room, but there's just a small, a small fold of cloth between... They each have their own hospital bed. The budget for this superhero hospital. Well, apparently it's pretty low if they only have one doctor. You think that in a world, <laughs> in a universe where there are superheroes that are called on to save entire cities, they'd invest a little more in well, healthcare. The superheroes are still extremely rare. It's like a small fraction of a fraction of a percent. I see. Of the total population of humans. So, they're in this hospital. Turns out, because she can't really discern which guy is the right one to pick, she ends up with both of them. Several times. Oh, Lots my. of sex scenes. Oh, my. <laughs> nice. 
Oh, my. But as her powers start to come back, she realizes something is wrong. Oh, no. Is one of them her brother? No. I'm sorry. There's nothing wrong with either of the two guys. The thing that's wrong is this hospital. Oh. She can't put her finger on it, but she knows something's wrong. So she tries to escape. Turns out they are very much locked in this place. Oh, man. They're um, They are prisoners. They're not really being healed. I mean, they are being, being killed in a way, but they're, they're prisoners first and foremost. Dang. So they secretly, the three of them, develop a plot to break out using their not quite up to par super skills. And it becomes an escape film. Oh. An escape love triangle. So I'm assuming that like while they're making this plan and even while they're executing the plan, there's still like all sorts of chemistry issues going on and jealousy and that sort of thing. Yes, very much so. So that's there's this conflict keeping them from being as efficient as they should be. Yeah, plus they're also boning all the time. So like they're about (laughs) to escape, but then they have to go off and bone, you know? That's the thing about superheroes is that they're never able to just let those urges pass. They can't. They can't or they'll explode again. (laughs) Is that what caused the explosion in the first place? The villains win if they can't fuck, you know? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I think that they'd keep them separate if that was the case. And again, this this episode is for the Valentine's Day lovers out there. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) So um, So do it for your country. (laughs) So they do ultimately escape. It's an intense escape process, but they do it. And escaping isn't enough. They need to get to the bottom of why they were imprisoned. Do they still also have to go back and save the city, or is that the city just a lost cause at this point? So here's the thing. The city was never really in danger. What? The explosion was meant to capture just the three of them. Uh, Oh, my God. It was a trap all along. They figured this out. There's this, like, crazy rich eccentric billionaire guy who wants to make his own superhero. It's exactly like uh, Syndrome. Yeah. Well, not, I mean, kind of. It's like that, he just except to be he's superhero. doing it by getting three random superheroes with traits that he likes to have sex and create a baby. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Wait, are you saying that superheroes. <laughs> superheroes have, have babies differently than. It's just, it's a normal. recessive. Superheroism is a recessive trait. It is. Haven't you seen The Incredibles? Exactly. Which my movie is a sequel to. This whole thing sounds like it would be just a phenomenal R-rated spin-off Incredibles movie. (laughs) So you're saying that uh, Felicity... No, not Felicity Jones. Whoever our our woman is. Vikander. She has super intuition, but also she has super... A super ovum that is able to accept the traits of, of multiple lovers... To create a super baby. Whoa. Well, no, no, no. The thi- <laughs> no I don't think here's that's where the thing. he's going. Um, this like crazy rich eccentric billionaire guy, he he, he needs to be cast. He wasn't it. sure if her traits would be t- 
totally killed. And he wanted there to be an illusion of a choice for her. Oh, man. This just got so dark. that she could pick the guy who seemed more correct. Oh, uh, so she, in a situation that her uh, her powers were actually working to some degree. He's so, trying to kind of almost it like semi natural selection. Right. And he's also assuming that her intuition would specifically tell her like which partner would be the better like breeding mate almost that sounds wrong but like which which partner would make the best child with her rather than which partner would be the best partner for yeah her. here i was thinking it was like what would well, be the best here's, partner here's another twist though when they oh, get boy. to the bottom of this plot they discover that this billionaire's mansion has many, many children of different ages what? roaming around. What? <laughs> wait, wait. So, <laughs> it's just an orphanage. <laughs> He's, he has created this experiment with this woman and two other superheroes <laughs> several times <laughs> with oh. success. And this is the first time that, oh, God, that she's horrifying. Uh, broken out of it. Wait, with her? Every with her, time? Yeah. Maybe several children is too many. Like maybe two or three kids. I was yeah. okay. I was talking. Thinking you were saying like oh, dozens man. of children, but she she has always been the mother of these children. So all these children are her children. Yeah, man, Luke. I want to is... admonish you quickly for not telling me to hold on to my pants before you said that. <laughs> Here I am sitting in my boxers, looking like a fool. There's just bits of denim hanging all over the place. <laughs> I've completely ruined another pair of jeans. That uh, that pitch went from happy superhero to horrific and twisted. Pretty. This no longer there. resembles <laughs> the Incredibles in any way, let's, shape, or form. Let's let's remember again. This is our Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> Ladies, do you remember you're ending, you're exactly your everything? Pitch, you're ending your pitch with a woman finding out that she has dozens of children. That were taken from her. <laughs> That's what Valentine's Day is all about. It's about Luke. finding your your lost <laughs> Rediscovering children. Rediscovering your love and applying it. That's a way of putting it. I am uncomfortable with that. But that's a very cool pitch and a very cool idea. Twisted as it is. Yeah, I wanted to out-twist you for once. <laughs> <laughs> there well, will be no twists in my pitch. We can, the twists of your pitch can be that there are no twists. Are you, uh, are you happy with shipping that, Luke? I think it's pretty sloppy, to be honest. I I was going to say, I thought that it was pretty well thought out. Does she end up with anyone? Usually you, you are completely endingless on your pitches and you, you knocked it out of the park this time. Uh, It's just too much of it hinges on like these small details that, don't make a ton of sense. I think that they were like well, very minutely orchestrated plans from this billionaire guy. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it would make a very nice fever dream of a movie. Personally, it would have to be, uh, you know, you have to commit to the the whole deeply unsettling premise and just kind of lean into it, which I think you yeah. have. I think it wouldn't make sense in a conventional aspect ratio, though. You probably want to make it super long and narrow. (laughs) 
It will just be a flip book that I film. Ooh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Let's let's ship it, I guess, and let's hear ship Will's that. lovely triangle. Yeah. So I Please. thought for a change, I was going to pitch an actual love triangle for my pitch, you know, where like an actual love triangle happens instead of it being a weird experiment or uh, <laughs> the same guy, you know, I think I'm just going to have like a conventional love triangle for mine. Just yeah, kidding. It's not, it's not going to be conventional. I oh, thank God. Guys, we just, we like to subvert genres too much here, I think. We like to have fun. <laughs> so, uh, the source material for my pitch is the very excellent film, one of my personal favorites, Her, uh, which, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's it's very good. Not really one to watch with your future parents-in-law. <laughs> Did you but, learn that from experience, Will? <laughs> maybe, but... Um, it, it is a very good one. It, uh, and basically the premise with that one is, uh, is it Joaquin? It's one of the Phoenixes. Yeah. yeah, it's Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. I was just watching a movie with River Phoenix in it, by which I mean The Last He's Crusade. Dead. Yeah, the, I was going to say the unfortunate oh, he, thing about him oh, is that was he, he died a very long time ago. Yeah, like oh. maybe 30 years ago. So he never got a chance to turn into Harrison Ford, eh? Anyway, Wait, sorry. <laughs> Rest in peace. He played a young, a young Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. That's not true. No, yes. I don't think that's. Is it really? Oh, maybe no. he wasn't the little guy. <laughs> what? what are you, you know, about? we're gonna edit this whole part out. <laughs> I thought he was the little guy. Was it? It was the guy from Boondocks. <laughs> what little guy are you talking about? You know the the young Indiana Jones. Okay. Uh, let's let's just move on. All right. Anyway, so there's a there's a man. All right, and he's in a very happy relationship. I'll call the man um, Bobby, and uh, he's in a name. very happy relationship, uh, living relationship with his his girlfriend uh, named Josephine. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they have a pretty good relationship. Josephine uh, is a little bit busy um, because she's an ambitious career woman. Um, and, you know, they have sort of their, their spats from time to time. It's a very organic, normal relationship. Uh, you know, no, no frills on it. I, can, I, can I interrupt you for just one second? Yeah, go for it. I'd like to publicly apologize. River Phoenix did play a young Indiana Jones in Indiana oh, Jones. Yeah, in that's, that's on me. <laughs> All right, never mind. I'm I was, not editing I was it out. very sure of myself. <laughs> so Sean Patrick Flannery played him in the show, but not in the movie. Okay. Well, that's that must have been a really sad. I'll have to do some Wikipedia searching on what happened to River Phoenix. We won't get well, into it here. But it's anyway, pretty well known. He died of a drug overdose. Okay, well, uh, this this pitch is dedicated to you. That's very nice, of you. and all the lovers out there. So, <laughs> more importantly, um, so anyway, we got Bobby, we got Josephine. Everything's going just kind of normal and and good. You know, they're they're they feel good about their relationship. They're very committed. They think that probably one day they might get engaged, but you know, 
they haven't made up their minds yet. Doors still kind of open, but you know, they, they're very in love and committed. And then one day their phones get an update and there's a new personal assistant that (laughs) has been, that's, that's, that's on the market. Is it voiced by Scarlett Johansson? Uh, it is not voiced by Scarlett Johansson. It's voiced by, Uh, Sarah Silverman. Okay, Sarah Silverman. (laughs) Sarah Silverman is the voice. voice. Yeah, Sarah Silverman is going to be the voice of this of this uh, this personal assistant because I'm just sick of the like really blah generic personal assistant voices. You know, as someone with a with kind of a squeaky silly voice, I I want I want like slightly different voices to be represented in in the. The realm of personal assistance. Your Gilbert that's, Godfrey's, your Sarah was, Silverman's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're a you're a true intersectional feminist. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, like uh, Josephine, she she's like, all right, you know, I'll just I'll I'll set up my personal assistant. Chooses the Gilbert Godfrey voice. Gilbert Godfrey's going to be in this movie. Okay, um, good. And you know, and just sort of, she's kind of a luddite, so like she kind of sets it up, but doesn't use it very often because she's not a big fan of Gilbert Godfrey's voice, and she doesn't know how to change it back. So she kind of just, you know, she kind of stuffs it in her in her in her in her pockets, and it's like, "Hello, please do with me," and then it kind of just sort of muffles away, and and that's <laughs> that's kind of her interaction with it. Um, so why would she why would she choose that voice? Well, you know, it was just she I guess she maybe slipped or something and just chose the Gilbert Gottfried voice and didn't and, know how to change it back. You know, uh right, or maybe Lewis Black. It's going to be between Lewis Black and Gil- <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried. I'm not sure yet. But anyway, um that's neither here nor there because she is she's kind of a luddite. She's got she has take you know taken all of the the business seminars and knows that she can't let her phone get in the way of productivity and she's also just kind of a luddite besides that so she doesn't really she's not super into it but bobby on the other hand she he chooses uh sarah silverman and uh you know and 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 sort of it it follows basically i mean just copy and paste the first like well the the, the second 20 minutes of her in there right where done like at first he's kind of um treating Sarah Silverman just as like a as as you would a Siri, you know, just kind of giving normal queries um and and sort of just treating it basically like a like a non-sentient um normal personal assistant that we have in the year of our lord 2019, but but it Sarah Silverman kind of has 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 a little bit of a character, you know, a little bit of a little bit of sass and oh yeah. and 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 starts kind of like exhibiting these really uh true to life personality characteristics and he's like, "Oh, Sarah, you know." And <laughs> Does one he night call Josephine Sarah? Well, no, she call he calls her uh Clara. No, that can't do that. My mom's name is Clara. <laughs> How about Sarah, like uh, C-E-R-A, as in uh, Land Michael Before Sarah. Time, Sarah? Sure, yeah. Yeah. So the anyway, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not going to ever be able to think of her as anything more than a Sarah, so we'll just do that, but the spelling is different. Um, <laughs> podcast audience won't be able to tell that 
But now that we've now that we've thoroughly explained that, they'll know. So anyway, uh, the Josephine is goes off on like a work trip. Uh, she's got like a, a big high powered conference. She works in like uh, some super luddite industry. Like she's uh, please, will say the word luddite one more time. Like she's like a she's like a Xerox salesman, you know. <laughs> I think you can probably go more Luddite than Xerox. She's a, f- a fax. <laughs> a fax okay. and Xerox okay. salesman, saleswoman. Um, and she's going to the big fax and Xerox con- <laughs> conference in Tampa Bay, Florida. So this, this is set in modern day, but fax and Xerox are still a big enough thing that they have a national yeah, what conference. If, what if she were a phone booth designer? <laughs> 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 yes, actually, damn, that's so good that I have to go with it. She's a she's a phone book or a phone phone booth and phone Either book one, really. salesperson, but she she she's kind of like trying to do the highest models that, where the glass doesn't frost up. The gas doesn't frost up. Yeah, it's like super clear, excellent glass. It's like high end phone booths that um you know the kind of up and coming cities like uh. Um, Columbus or whatever are you say like a Barkland? Yeah, Barkland, <laughs> of course. Um, so anyway, she's off at this conference, and Bobby's feeling kind of lonely, and just kind of strikes up a conversation with his personal assistant, and it 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 turns out that the personal assistant really likes Bobby, and and there's kind of this awkward situation like how can you like me? You're, you're a machine. And and then, you know, Sarah kind of gets all sad and is like, I'm not a machine. I, I feel, I feel things or whatever, you know, deep philosophical currents about like what it is to be human and what a brain really is, you know, the, sure. the, the typical, the typical, uh, nice light rom-com stuff, light rom-com things. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. Um, so anyway, uh, basically, the kind of culmination of this movie is like it's obvious that like Bobby is got some feelings for Sarah, and um, Josephine finds out about this. She comes home early from her from her conference, and and like sees like some weird like illicit like like talking on the phone sex or whatever <laughs> happening between <laughs> between Bobby and Sarah. Um, but like, uh, Bobby, like still feels very committed to Josephine. So kind of like tries to shut off Sarah. Um, but then like, but then there's this like crazy, like how 3000 kind of finale where like, like Sarah, like try kind of like tries to keep on wooing Bobby by like, by like hailing a bunch of like ubers for him and like doing all of these like personal assistant things but like in a really like creepy stalker way you know and and bobby has to like get away from sarah um i like that a lot but like he also is like very um he's also still got some feelings for sarah so it's like he's like trying to like get her out of his life, but it's kind of emotionally hard, but also physically hard because there are all these like self-driving Ubers that are like showing up, like following him, following him around Barkland and, and like, he's unable to kind of escape the influence of the personal assistant that fell in love with him. I can imagine like some self-driving cars crowding around his heart, his house at night, like 
putting their brights on and playing their car alarms uh, and like opening up their sunroofs as if they were lifting up a, a boom box. <laughs> yeah. Or like, or like one of those, um, those big like shock, uh, you know, the, the, the cars that kind of bump up and down, you know, <laughs> the ones with hydraulics. Yeah. The hydraulic cars <laughs> just playing like some Barry house. white, like really, really loud. <laughs> Uh, I think one way that you could make it even more sinister and interesting would be to have uh, some kind of like uh, Google Home situation going on where Sarah was integrated into like all these different parts of the house as well. Uh, I think, you know, if you want to just keep her in the phone, that's fine. But she could she could do some very sinister things. No, I think she'll like there'll be like weird things showing up in the fridge because it'll be a smart fridge. (laughs) A smart fridge that can also like Amazon food right into it. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to be basically like what the world is going to be like in five years when Silicon Valley is just taking over literally everything. But like there are still, there are still Luddite boomers and stuff out there and Xerox salesmen and and phone booth salesmen who, who do not welcome our, our new Zuckerberg overlords and stuff, you know. This would be a very different direction, Will, but. I think it would be interesting potentially if this is what catfishing is now. Oh, like there's a hacker who has taken over the personal assistant, but also every smart device and every Luke. I told you there were no twists. I can't believe you. I, I had just gone in while you were finishing up your pitch and, and gotten some more jeans on. I was like, okay, I've got some new jeans and it's my pitch coming up. There are going to be no twists, so it's going to be fine. And then here you're here you done blowing my jeans off during my pitch, which is it's actually a really good idea, though. I like it would significantly change the movie and it's it's making everything. Uh, it makes me making me have to rethink like a lot of the character dynamics, but like not well, not too much because she's still uh, ostensibly acting. Sarah Silverman is still acting like a like a robot, you know. But I'll tell isn't you what, a robot. What you could do is save that for the sequel, so you could have Bobby escape <laughs> this time. Fool me once, shame on on you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and in the sequel, that could be your twist. The squeakquel. The squeakquel. Ah, yes, of course, the squeakquel. Nobody's done that before, right? No, nobody ever would. It's too great of an idea. (laughs) Well, I really like it. Um, I've I also spent like two hours one day watching this live stream of two Google Homes talking to each other. (laughs) That sounds fascinating, Luke. So I think another version of your pitch could just be add in a third Google Home. Uh, just, just film them for a few hours. The first, the first totally like impro- improvisational, uh, completely non-human love triangle ever made. That's ambitious. Let's, let's be honest; it's probably not the first, but it could be the best. Also, you'd have to probably set it up a number of times before you actually get what could even slightly resemble a love triangle situation. But you know, it seems like. We don't have a clear idea of what a love triangle movie actually is based on this episode. So <laughs> I think that we all did perfectly. You know, well, except for you, you don't Jacob. Have to, you don't have to be, 
I think that two of us did a very good job, and one of us had a very misunderstood but brilliant <laughs> idea. <laughs> I'll just leave well, it at that. Let's uh, ship yours, Will. Yeah. Let's ship it on. I, I, I got some stamps on it. Some stamps are on, and I hope everybody out there in the listening world, you are having, are about to have, or recently had a wonderful uh, Valentine's Day. Full of or love next and year we'll have. Yeah. Or, yes, next year we'll, we'll uh, or maybe, you know, some year in the future. Or if you're not into the whole Valentine's Day thing, because it is a card that was, or <laughs> a holiday <laughs> that was created by Hallmark uh, to sell cards. Uh, enjoy your uh, day of whatever chosen day of love that you may have chosen for yourself. Get yourself some chocolates. That's the but least you can do. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Have a nice bath. Be thankful for the people you love. Yeah. Where can they follow us, guys? <laughs> well, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at pitch underscore hunt. Anyone else want to jump in? You can email us with ideas, uh, constructive criticism, compliments, uh, or just uh, generalized musings at info at pitchhunt.org or one of our names at pitchhunt.org. That's Jacob with a K, Luke or Will with two L's at pitchhunt.org. And that's that's Will with two L's. <laughs> Pitchhunt.org. Thanks for nice. listening. Yes. And uh, keep it rolling. Yeah. I love you. That's I love you. I love you. Bye. 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 Bye.